Hey, it's Nick Walters again with the National Industrial Hemp Growers Digest, a podcast brought to you by the National Hemp Growers Cooperative. And as always, we are just flat out tickled to death to have really great folks in the industry who are participating and spending some time with us to share more insight. And today is uh, no different with the quality of folks that we have on. So Andrew Bish uh, here from Bish Enterprises and who's got his fingers in more pies than, you know, little Georgie Porter could, right? I mean, he's got all kinds of good stuff working on in the hemp industry. So Andrew, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Nick. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, you are like the James Brown of the hip man. You, you're the businessman in show business. And every time we turn around, there you are. Or the great Jacob, the brother, is with you. Or there's a, a spot you guys are just working it and killing it, particularly this time of the year when harvest starts to get a little goofy and uh, more things going on. I re- we really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Yeah, well, a lot of life is showing up. That's that's what I tell people. Is, uh, start start with that. Show up. <laughs> that's a good first step. In it. So so give us a little background, Andrew. Tell us more about kind of um, you and and some of your background and um, uh, share with us as well how that may or may not blend into you having a hip aha moment. Okay. Well, I. You know, I've worked in agriculture since 20, well, for my whole life. I mean, we, we come from a family of farmers, a multi-generational farming family. Uh, my, my father, he didn't farm himself. He actually took over my grandfather's manufacturing business. My grandfather was a farmer and inventor uh, and an owner of uh, Bish Enterprises, uh, which was called Harsh Farm Supply uh, when it started in 1976. And... So he, you know, I come from a long line of farmers, long, long story short, and I, I actually didn't work in the business uh, for a number of years, uh, came back uh, to work in the family business in 2012, and uh, really spent a lot of time working with uh, different crops like corn, soybeans, and especially sorghum. And sorghum is a crop that ultimately led us uh, led us into the, the hemp industry uh, inadvertently because when when I got into the hemp industry it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't what our objective was uh, our objective is always to see how we can help help farmers and solve problems and it just happened to be that uh, we met somebody that had a problem that had to do with hemp so uh, after working in the business uh, it, it was about it was late late twenty. 2015, uh, we did a hemp harvest in eastern Colorado, a grain harvest, actually. And that was my first experience in the hemp field. Uh, so went out there with one of our uh, super crop headers, which was designed for sorghum. And one of our customers had suggested that we uh, bring it out and see how it performs relative to some other uh, headers. I thought that was a worthwhile uh, venture. So we, we took it about five hours west of us and performed really, really well. Uh, that was, that was one of the moments, uh, I, I would say there's a couple moments when, uh, that I really felt like we needed to spend more time in the industry, but being in that field, it was clear to me that there weren't a lot of solutions. Uh, and there also weren't a lot of growers. Uh, what we do well is, uh, focusing on specialty crop production, uh, and, uh, 
you know, di different specialty items that people even use for commercial crop production. So that seemed like a good opportunity for us. Uh, that led me to some other uh, opportunities to meet people in places like Tennessee and South Carolina the following years that ultimately cemented uh, my belief that we need to continue to find solutions for these uh, producers. Um, and so we've worked in the hemp industry ever since then. And uh, in addition to that, work in tradi traditional agriculture. So I continue to work heavily in sorghum, uh, sunflowers, uh, work with m people with millet, corn, soybeans, wheat, those types of things. So what's really cool about all that, though, is, is that you were able to say, hey, it's not like I was just watching a bunch of YouTube videos one day or seeing how farming equipment looked. I looked and you, you've got a background in this with your grandfather and your family business and others and just said, all right, well, how could we take some of the knowledge we have about how to harvest various crops and then adjust that so that it could fit specifically for this grain crop as it, as it related to hemp. And then from there, you guys have got the ability to do the R&D in-house, kind of back and forth and back and forth until you, you know, get things that, that you roll out, uh, that you're able to, to help your customers. Is that kind of right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, being a small business, we do have some flexibility that we might not otherwise. And uh, so we use some of that flexibility to find solutions. Although I will say, uh, relative to other crops, this was definitely one of the harder ventures, uh, trying to understand uh, the dynamics of harvesting a, a hemp plant versus harvesting just a, a seed, uh, which, which is considerably easier, in my opinion. <laughs> Not the help, it's not the easy one, the other is the easier, right? I mean, uh, yeah, so I mean, traditionally, uh, you know, when you think of harvesting, people are harvesting grain and hemp, We while we got into the hemp industry on a grain harvest, uh, the industry just developed that way. Yeah, the industry developed immediately into flour, which is a, a completely different technique. Uh, and then now it's migrated more into stocks and the grain industry still really hasn't come up. Um, you know, we, we are working with some people that, that do produce grain uh, here in the United States, but it's still a pretty small um, part of the industry relative to what fibers uh, quickly or stock production is quickly becoming. Well, you know, that's the thing that we're always interested in that go up are, are things that are, <clears throat> we're a total grain and fiber uh, focused group. And, and, you know, one of the things that a lot of our co-op members always ask, particularly our newbies that have never grown much of anything before is, I don't even know if I've ever watched this stuff get harvested before. And um, we're real quick to say, well, we know somebody that knows, okay? So once a week and, uh, and that would be, okay, uh, that we would know that we'd be able to point into. Hey, tell us more about some of the equipment that you guys, um, that you have, uh, I guess, in your greater catalog. I mean, do you have, <clears throat> is there equipment that is different from one section of the country to the other, or is it more about what is the end use that you're harvesting for? Yeah, it's really an end use uh situation from different parts of the country what you'll see is different sizing of equipment that that tends to guide from a sizing perspective you know in the places like kentucky tennessee uh a lot of those guys have smaller plots than you find in you know places like montana uh you know there's not a lot of people in kentucky with or did tennessee you know with 
3,500 contiguous acres uh, in the same way they might have in Montana. So that that really impacts some of the equipment more than anything geographically, but uh, it, it's it's purpose. So, you know, we, we do a lot of headers. Uh, the great go on combines. Uh, combines are forage harvesters. Uh, we've got some different models there, whether you're harvesting um, grain or whether you're harvesting for flour and uh, trying to use a forage harvester. We kind of, we've got a couple different header options. Uh, you know, we've got a very small single row harvester just for flour. Um, and then when we get into some of the stock uh, production, we just uh, uh, released our, our first 2022 20, version of our fiber cut harvester, which is a specialty machine specifically for stock production. Uh, so not not for grain production at all, but but for stock production. So when you say a header, what you're saying for those of us that might be brand new in the industry, you're saying if I already own a combine, I can swap out different headers depending on what type of, of crop I'm trying to harvest. Is that right? I mean, Cor correct. Yes. Uh, there, there's various different types of headers that you might use, whether you're harvesting corn, that would be a different header than harvesting soybeans. Uh, although some people use the same header for soybeans as they do wheat. Um, and, and some of those headers look okay uh, for hemp. Um, but depending on how your hemp grows, the height, things like that, there can be some challenges with traditional equipment. But then the things like you have for this new um, um, <coughs> stalk harvester, what, what, do you, what do you call that model? Does it have a name? Uh, yeah, it's the fiber cut. The fiber cut. So the fiber cut is its own standalone piece of equipment though. Is that right? Or is that also? Correct. Yeah, it, it pulls behind the tractor and uh, we believe it to be the world's most efficient stock harvesting uh, machine out there. You have to adjust it based off of the thickness of the stock itself. So if I was growing strictly for fiber and I let that mother go pretty well and it's just getting thicker and, you know, more lignin in the, in, the, in the stock itself, do you have an adjustment for something like that where you can make it crunch harder or chop harder? So the, the unit will work uh pretty well all the way up until you uh, two and a quarter inch uh diameter stock and that's when you're going to start having some problems just because the the sickle knife can't get any larger than that uh so there is a, there is a limiting factor there um but we, we don't see many uh purpose-grown stock fields uh that are trying to get anywhere near that diameter one of the challenges you have if you do have that diameter of stock is on the backside. Uh, your your breakdown process is uh, pretty complicated uh, the bigger that stock gets. What's cool about what you guys do is you can always go back to the tinker shop, right? And go back and start tinkering with it and, and playing with it once you knew the demand was there um, and, or otherwise, right? Because you guys might say, all right, well, this is the way that we think it's going to be used most of the time. But if the marketplace starts to tell us that we need more equipment, harvesting equipment to do that, then you might be able to go back and create and tinker and do R&D and, and um, be able to roll that back out. Yeah, and that's actually uh, part of the challenge uh, working in what we do in the industry is that 
we haven't sorted all those things out yet. So, you know, the different market pushes and pulls, uh, they're not well established. Um, you know, the, what, what is the, the commodity uh, of hemp that we sell the most of in the United States? Well, even if you knew the answer to that, the answer to that next year could very well and will likely very well be different. Uh, so we're, we're oftentimes trying to hit a moving target. What that leads us to do is try to build some level of versatility within the machine. Uh, and th this particular machine has tremendous amount of adjustment for that reason. We can actually, uh, so our default cutting uh, is 30 inches, but a customer can increase the cut distance uh, of stock up to 36 inches if they wish, or they can uh, bring that closer together. Maybe they only want 24 inch long stocks. Well, they can do that all with the same machine uh, just by making some adjustments to it. So we, we do try to bring in as much versatility uh, as possible, um, although it's hard to forecast. Uh, and that's what we do a lot of is I have to forecast the future. Um, and anybody that does that for a living will tell you that you're, that's not reliable. <laughs> that is just not a reliable way of operating. Because I've never met a banker that didn't want to get paid back, right? So there's yeah. a, you know, you don't want to take it around all day long. Sounds great, but, uh, you know, there's got to be a practical piece of it too, right? I mean, all right. How all that, how all that, yeah, so that's. That certainly makes it, makes for a great um, great uh, day at the office. Well. <clears throat> But the machine, um, just so you're aware, one of the things yeah. that we're really proud of for the machine is it it has the uh, largest cutting uh, width of any stock uh, harvester out there. Uh, we, we've got a 12 foot width that we can cut. Uh, the machine that we uh, we just finished up has 10 is 10 feet wide because that's what the customer chose, um, but. We can absolutely uh, go up to 12 feet or we can make it eight feet. Uh, if you look at the competition in the industry, uh, most of the sickle knives out there are cutting anywhere from six to up to nine feet is about as long as uh, they get. So uh, we're really proud of the ability to, uh, again, be able to take down more crop faster uh, than other machines can. And that, that at the end of the day translates into uh, reduced fuel costs uh, that lowers the cost of production. Uh, and that ultimately that allows us to put more money in the farmer's pocket. Well, you know, one of the things that we talk about uh, from the co-op is sharing resources, right? And, and how, how we're able to do that. So um, we'll be sure to have ongoing conversations about how um, uh, we might be in line to be a customer as well for this enterprise. So that would be a, that'd be a cool thing. So tell us, Andrew, you're also very involved in the industry uh, as far as uh, putting your time and effort in trying to help um, uh, different groups move forward. I know you're very involved in the Hemp Feed Coalition as well, right? Are you currently the board chairman? Is that right? Uh, I was elected uh, president. President. Okay, president. So that means you missed the meeting and then they made you president while you weren't looking. Uh, <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, uh, we're really excited. We had Morgan on a couple of weeks ago um, to talk about some updates with the, with the Hemp Feed Coalition. And so I know that, that there's a lot of good energy and effort behind that. It seems to be the kind of thing that no matter uh, uh, what part of the industry you're involved in, you can see the value of, of, of uh, having hemp for animal food. So um, uh, 
thank you for the work that you're putting in on that. I know the pay is uh, outstanding for all the effort that you're putting into that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned a little bit ago harvesting grain and how I got into the industry to harvest grain. And so uh, I, I will say that my work with the Hemp Feed Coalition, I, I definitely believe in all the, the benefits uh, that it can provide to the animal. But I will tell you, my motivation is definitely a little bit different. Uh, I, I look at it. And the reason I, I've been such a proponent of what we're doing at the Hemp Feed Coalition is not just because of the animal, but how it can help the farmer. Uh, that, that's that's where I think the benefit of feeding animals hemp comes in is, is how much it can help our farmers. When you look at the stock industry uh, coming, uh, coming online here recently, a lot of people have said, well, why aren't we harvesting more grain? Why aren't we putting up more grain? And the answer is very simple. We don't have a market for it. And people have said, well, people will eat it. Um, not that much. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever eaten hemp seed uh, meal, but it's okay. Uh, and it, it's something you could eat uh, in a bar, you know, a protein bar. It's, it's something um, Hannah um, over in Europe, she makes these, these cookies with honey uh, that are pretty good. Uh, but the reality is you're not going to sit down and meet, eat, uh, you know, a, a hemp meal steak. That's just not going to happen. So what are we going to do with it? We got to be able to provide it to these animals. Um, and that does a number of things. First off, uh, from a human food consumption standpoint, it's actually going to lower the cost of hemp seeds to humans. Uh, and the reason it does that, the way that it does that is you've got a secondary market. Uh, you don't have to have your premium uh, food grade product um, when it doesn't meet that standard go to waste. You actually can go and do something uh, potentially and feed that feed that to an animal. Now, we, the, the benefits to the animals are numerous and we'll, we can get to those here in a little bit. But um, once we allow animals to start eating this, now you've got a market. So now that farmer can start raising a grain crop. And if you look at what the cost uh, that they're paying on grain right now, you know, let's say 55 cents conventional grain is, is pretty typical for hemp. Uh, and the, you look at, what is it? A dollar fifteen for organic. Okay. So you know, if you just got uh, 55 cents a pound and you get a farmer uh, that grows, you know, 12, hundred pounds uh an acre which you know in the southeast I, I would say that they should be able to achieve that at, at the very minimal um you know they're, they're doing 800 to a thousand pound an acre in north dakota with not a lot of water so um that's 660 an acre that's pretty reasonable uh you, you know you double that when you go up to organic you're over 1300 dollars uh an acre at 1200 pounds that's really really interesting and then you start to look at companies like New West Genetics and a, a new hybrid variety that they have that they're claiming that they're getting over 2,400 pounds per acre of grain. And so you take that same farmer, uh, 2,400 pounds, 
uh, times 55 cents, that's $1,320. You can't do that with corn. You can't do that with wheat. You can't do that with soybeans. There's not a commodity out there that you can do that with. And then the input costs on the hemp uh, are traditionally a little bit lower. I would see that it, as the market starts to develop, we'll start to see those input costs uh, continue to go down as the cost of, of seed production uh, can start to occur here stateside. Uh, versus in Europe, uh, where we're having to pay those high import costs. Um, and this whole thing starts to work out a lot better for the farmer. And and that to me is very, very interesting. And one of the main reasons that I support what we do at the Hemp Feed Coalition. Very cool, very cool. Well, besides that, where else do you lend your time and energy uh, as far as, are there other organizations that, that you- Oh, yeah, I work with- I work with the Colorado Hemp Association. Uh, I'm a board member there. Uh, that again, that was the state where I feel like I cut my teeth in hemp, and uh, um, you know, really like do in Colorado. Um, and then I'm a member of the Standing Committee of Hemp Organizations uh, through the National Hemp Association, and that's just a group of, uh, I, I guess different industry peoples uh, that I would consider friends of mine. Uh, we do some brainstorming and then we take action legislatively in different ways. So we've been um, working really hard on this effort uh, to exempt grain and fiber, uh, the, the grain and fiber exemption. Um, that, that's a really exciting uh, project we've been working on with Courtney Moran and, and her group. And uh, we've, we've also worked in some other areas uh, with different different congressmen and senators uh, to influence uh, the upcoming farm bill um, in ways that that help all of our our hemp producers. Tell me, get out uh, before we forget it. Let's make sure that if folks are ready to learn more about what Fish Enterprises uh, does and more about your equipment and the other things that you guys have been involved in, which may or may not even be specifically for hemp. What's the best? place for them to reach out and to learn more. Okay, so if you wanna get in touch with us, go to our website, uh, www.bishenterprise.com. That's singular, not plural, so enterprise.com. Uh, and other, uh, you can also go to our website, hempharvestworks.com. Uh, our phone number is listed on both pages. You can call us, a human being will answer the phone. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to answer any questions that you have. There's also a contact us form. If you don't want to call us, uh, you don't have to. You can send us a message uh, and we can respond to you there. Um, although we do like to talk to our customers uh, whenever we can. Well, take out your hemp crystal ball for a moment. And uh, based off of what you're seeing and where you think things are heading, um, uh, give us some insight or uh, all kind of about the future of the industry itself. What, what, what do you think the trends are of where we're heading um, uh, as far as the industry is concerned? Yeah, uh, great question. So I, I would anticipate th this year, I, I would expect us to see 
somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40,000 acres of, of stocks being grown in the United States. And then next year, I, I would anticipate that that's going to move into at least 200,000 acres uh, of stock production. Um, I, I would be really surprised if it wasn't if it wasn't achieving that. Um, from there, I would anticipate that'll probably double uh, in subsequent years. Um, I'm not quite sure where that that threshold's going to be, but it, it, we're we're going to be moving into over a half million acres within three to four years for sure. And on a grain perspective, I would anticipate that we would start to see some movement from the FDA. Uh, you know, I always want it next week. Uh, again, I've been working with these guys to for years. Um, but the reality is, I would expect to see an animal feed ingredient improved in the next 12 to 24 months, potentially up to 36 months. And if that holds true, then we really have a long, slow sloth um, trying to get through the the grain industry going. It's just, it's going to be a real slog uh, if it does take three years for the first animal feed ingredient to be approved. Now, if, if that happens sooner, then we can start seeing other animals and their feed ingredients. But if not, I would, I would suspect that we're going to see stagnation in the grain market for at least the next 24 to 36 months while the stock market starts to develop. Yeah, and you, you know, an interesting component of that is too, is it, that may also give the time for people who really understand their genetics of their seed to start kind of getting caught up so that grain might be an opportunity for several parts of the country, right? Not just the parts of the world that you live in, but maybe in some of the parts where we, now where I live as well, too. I don't know that it's as, you know, I mean, it's it's got to be fiber right now, you know, than anything else. Yeah, so, yeah, and we could use some time for some research, for sure, although I would I would rather... It'd be a time of research and potential profit simultaneously, but you know we we do need more time because even in this for stocks, nobody knows what to grow yet. I mean, every time I talk to somebody, their genetics better than everyone else's genetics, and and it, it's it's much of that's going to start to play out here once once we plant a lot of different genetics in a lot of different areas and we start to figure out what really does work. Um, but we're a few years off with that yet. Well, we'll get there, but uh, I'm with you. Let's don't um, let's don't um, stop trying to make profit. Waiting for the let's don't throw out the perfect. Waiting, uh, wait out. Wait. Well, that's, what's my adage? Let's don't throw out the good. Waiting for the perfect. Uh -huh. yeah. so I would agree with that. So, hey, that's terrific, Andrew Bish, Bish Enterprises. Thank you so much for. Uh, spending some time with us today, letting us know more about your company and the great equipment that you're doing, as well as the energy and time and effort you're putting into the industry uh, to be able to move things forward. All this stuff would be great uh, and is great, but it's not even good if we can't get it harvested and picked up and and, and used one way or the other. And so uh, 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 thank goodness there's folks like you using good old, good old fashioned American ingenuity. Uh, right here from the heartland, rather than uh, keep up with the industry. So thanks again for your time today. Thank you, Nick. Have a great day. Absolutely. Hey, and if folks want to learn more about the National Hip Growers Cooperative and our commitment to building wealth for our members through regenerative agriculture and sustainable development, you can go back to our website at nationalhealthcoop.us. Until next time.
This podcast produced and distributed by MWB Studios.